Welcome to Zichud Avsi Man Memorabe Avram Goldhari, and today we're with Beya Davav, the first parak, Beis Hashanol to Beyanta. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, Rav has said, Regarding a corpse that awaits burial, if burial occurs on the first day of Yantiv, Nachrim should involve themselves with it. If burial occurs on the second day of Yantiv, Jews should involve themselves with it. Regarding burial, the second day of Rosh Hashanah is treated leniently like the second day of all the Chagim. Marzuta said the permission for a Jew to perform the burial was granted only if the burial had been delayed and there was concern that the corpse would decay. Ravashi said that even if the burial had not been delayed, we do not delay it after Yantav because Yom Toshin Gabi Meis Kochosh Nu The Rabban established the second day of Yantav as a weekday for a corpse. One is even allowed to cut shrouds or hadassim for the corpse. Ravina said that nowadays that there are chavrei who compel the Jews to work for them. We're concerned that if they see Jews burying the dead on Yantav, they will make them work for them as well. Rashi explains that the chavrei were an evil nation during the Persian era. Pointing to was taught Efroch Shanolad Bayantav regarding a chick that was hatched on Yantav. Rav said that it is Asir Bachmu, and some say Rosh Yochanan said that it is Mutter. The more explains that Rav said it is Asir because it's Moksa, but Shmuel, and some say Rosh Yochanan said that it is permitted since with its hatching it can become permitted through Shkita, it does not become Moksa. An unhatched chick may not be eaten since it's included in the prohibition against eating a sheritz, a creeping creature. Rush explains that hatching causes its status to change to that of a food, which may be eaten after shechita. Now, since the process of hatching can remove the prohibition against eating a sheritz from upon the chick, hatching also has the power to remove the muksa prohibition that was on it. When Rav Kahan and Ravasi asked Rav what the difference is between this chick and a calf that was born on Yantiv, which is not considered muksa, he answered them, Since the calf was prepared on account of its mother through shechita, it remains prepared after its birth. A newly hatched chick, on the other hand, could not have been eaten what was still in its shell. Since it's muksa then, it's muksa now. The more will further analyze the machlokas. And pointing me through, Rav Huna said in the name of Rav, nigmara. An egg, upon its exit from the mother hen, becomes fully formed. The more asks, what was meant by, upon its exit, becomes fully formed? And after many interpretations are rejected, it concludes, Upon its exit from the hen, the egg becomes fully formed, and if fertilized, can produce chicks. But However, when an egg is taken from its mother's innards, it cannot produce chicks. The Gemara asks what the nafkamin is, and answers concerning the halakhas of sales. Rashi explains that if a buyer requested eggs from which chicks will hatch, but was sold eggs taken from the hen's insides, the sale is invalid. So once again, the three points are number one. Rav has said, Regarding a corpse that awaits burial, if burial occurs on the first day of Yantiv, Nachim should involve themselves with it. If burial occurs on the second day of Yantiv, Jews should involve themselves with it. Regarding burial, the second day of Rosh Hashanah is treated leniently like the second day of Adar Chagim. Marzutra said that permission for a Jew to perform the burial was granted only if burial had been delayed and there was concern that the corpse would decay. Ravashi said that even if the burial had not been delayed, we do not delay it after Yantav, because Yontav Agabi Meis Kachoshnu Yerabban. The Rabban established the second day of Yantav as a weekday for a corpse. One is even allowed to cut shrouds or hadassim for the corpse. Rabina said that nowadays that there are chavrei who compel the Jews to work for them, were concerned that if they see Jews bearing the dead on Yantav, they will make them work for them as well. Rush explains that the chavrei were an evil nation during the Persian era. Point number two was taught, Efroch Shenolod Bayantav, regarding a chick that was hatched on Yantav. Rav said that it is Aser, but Shmuel, and some say Rezubi Yochanan, said that it is Mutter. The more explains that Rav said it is Aser because it's Muxa. 
But Shmuel, some say it was Rabbi Yochanan said, that it's permitted, since with its hatching it can become permitted through Shechita, it does not become Muksa. An unhatched chick may not be eaten since it's included in the prohibition against eating a sheretz, a creeping creature. Rashi explains that hatching causes its status to change to that of a food which may be eaten after Shechita. Now, since the process of hatching can remove the prohibition against eating a sheretz from upon the chick, Hatching also has the power to remove the muksa prohibition that was on it. When Rav Kahan Ravasi asked Rav what the difference is between this chick and a calf that was born in Yantiv, which is not considered muksa, he answered them, Since the calf was prepared on account of its mother through shechita, it remains prepared after its birth. A newly hatched chick, on the other hand, could not have been eaten while it's still in its shell. Since it's muksa then, it's muksa now. The Gemara will further analyze the Malchokas. And pointing with you, Rav Huna said in the name of Rav, an egg, upon its exit from the mother hen, becomes fully formed. The Gemara asks, what was meant by, upon its exit, becomes fully formed? And after many interpretations are rejected, it concludes, Upon its exit from the hen, the egg becomes fully formed, and if fertilized, can produce chicks. But However, when an egg is taken from its mother's innards, it cannot produce chicks. The Gemara asks, what the nafkamin is, and answers concerning the lachas of sales. Rashi explains that if a buyer requested eggs from which chicks will hatch, but sold eggs taken from the hen's insides, the sale is invalid. All right, so now we go to our simmer davav, and our standard simon is a sword, because a vav is straight like a sword. So sword is our simon. Here it goes. Nachrim digging a grave with swords to bury a yid on yantiv almost impelled a muksa chick that just hatched from an egg that was fully formed upon its exit and was sold at a premium. Once again, it's slow motion. Nachrim digging a grave with swords. Swords, that must be more enough. Vav. Nachrim digging a grave with swords to bury a yid on yantiv, which reminds us, Rav said, regarding a corpse that awaits burial. If burial occurs on the first day of yantiv, Nachrim should involve themselves with it. If burial occurs on the second day of Yantiv, Jews should involve themselves with it. Regarding burial, the second day of Rosh Hashanah is treated leniently like the second day of other Chagim. So Nachim digging a grave with swords to bury Yid on Yantiv almost impelled a muksa chick that just hatched. Which reminds us, there's Malkos regarding Afroksh and the old Yantiv. Regarding a chick that was just hatched on Yantiv, Rav said that it's us because it's muksa. But Shmuel and some say Rabbi Yochanan said that it's permitted since with its hatching it can become permitted through shechita. It does not become muksa. An unhatched chick may not be eaten since it's included in the prohibition against eating a share. It's a creeping creature. Where she explains that hatching causes its status to change to that of a food which may be eaten after shechita. And since the process of hatching can remove the prohibition against eating a sheritz from upon the chick, hatching also has the power to remove the muksa prohibition that was upon it. So, Nachim digging a grave with swords to bury Yiran Yantiv almost impelled a muksa chick that just hatched from an egg that was fully formed upon its exit and was sold at a premium. Which reminds us, Ravun said in the name of Rav, Beitza in Yitziasat Nigmara, an egg upon its exit from the mother hen becomes fully formed. The one what this means and concludes, Upon its exit from the hen, the egg becomes fully formed and if fertilized, can produce chicks. However, when an egg is taken from its mother's innards, it cannot produce chicks. The nafkamina is, concerning the halakas of sales. Rashi explains that if a buyer requested eggs from which chicks will hatch, but sold eggs taken from the hen's insides, the sale is invalid. So once again, Nachim digging a grave with swords to bury a yid on yantiv, almost impaled a muksa chick that just hatched from an egg that was fully formed upon its exit 
and was sold at a premium. All right, now it's time for a four blah bat chazara. Daf base. So the simmer daf base is a house. So here it goes. The kids were jumping for joy all over the house. House? That must be on daf base. The kids were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yanta, which reminds the opening mission of the Sechta states, Concerning an egg that was laid in Yanta, say, it may be on Yanta, and Beishel say, it may not be eaten. The Gemara asks, what type of hen are we dealing with? Rav Nachman said that the mission refers to a hen that was Omeris Hogado Beitzim, that was designated to produce eggs, and the one who subscribes to a broad application of the laws of Muxa, referring to Rabbi Huda, subscribes to also the prohibition of Nolad, while the one who rejects a broad application of Muxa laws, referring to Rabbi Shimon, also rejects a prohibition of Nolad. Beishamai permit one to eat the egg because they hold like Rabbi Shimon, who does not hold of Nolad, whereas Beishilla forbid it because they hold like Rabbi Yehuda, who does hold of Nolad. So the kids were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yantin were dismayed when they were told by an anonymous rabbi who was more machmir on Yantiv, which reminds the Gemara asks why Rebbe who formulated the Stam Mishnais formulate those in Shabbos more leniently like Rebbe Shimon whereas those regarding Yantiv he formulated according to the more stringent view of Rebbe Huda. The Gemara answers regarding Shabbos whose laws are more restrictive and so people will not come to treat us disrespectfully. Rebbe formulated a Stam Mishnah according to Rebbe Shimon who is more lenient. However, regarding Yantiv whose laws are somewhat more liberal and so people will come to treat disrespectfully. Rebbe formulated a Stam Mishnah according to Rebbe Yehuda who is more stringent. So the kids who were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yantiv were dismayed when they were told by an anonymous rabbi who was more machmir on Yantiv that it was forbidden to eat since it had been prepared the day before on Shabbos. Which reminds us, Rabbi's explanation of the Mishnah is that we're actually dealing with a Tarnagos or Medesachila, a hen that was designated for consumption and is therefore not muksa. And we're discussing a case of an egg that was laid on Yantav that fell after Shabbos. And Basil prohibits its consumption, Mishum Hachana, because of the principle of preparation. For Rabbi holds that any egg laid today became fully formed inside the hen yesterday. And Rabbi follows his own reasoning, for he said, that which is written by Yabba Yomashishi Be'echino Yaviu, it will be on the sixth day that they shall prepare the man which they bring, which teaches us that a weekday prepares for Shabbos and a weekday prepares for Yantav, but Yantav cannot prepare for Shabbos, nor can Shabbos prepare for Yantav. Basil therefore prohibit an egg laid on Yantav since his preparation occurred on Shabbos. Daf Gimel, so the similar Daf Gimel is a Gamal, a camel. So here it goes. The camel rider, camel rider, that must be run Daf Gimel, Gamal. The camel rider trying to dodge fruit, falling from a tree, and stepping in puddles of flowing juice, which reminds the Gemara brings two more explanations to the Mishnah on why an egg on Yantiv is prohibited. Rav Yosef said, Gezer Mishum Peres Anoshin is a Gezer because it resembles fruit that falls from a tree on Yantiv, which is prohibited by a decree lest one actually climb a tree and pick a fruit. And Rabbi Yitzchak said, Gezer Mishum Mashkin Shazavu. The egg on Yantiv is prohibited because it resembles juice that flowed on Yantiv, which is prohibited because it might lead one to actually squeeze the fruits on Yantiv and transgress the Malach of Dash, threshing. So, the camel rider trying to dodge fruit falling from a tree and stepping in puddles of flowing juice suddenly knows an egg on the road labeled half food, half fruit. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks why Rav Yosef didn't explain the Mishnah. Like Rabbi Yitzhak in answers, the Rav Yosef would say, an egg is food and fruits are food, in contrast to juice, which is not a food but a liquid. The Gemara asks why Rabbi Yitzhak did not explain the Mishnah. Like Rabbi Yosef in answers, the Rav Yitzhak would say, an egg is absorbed in the hen and issues forth and juice is absorbed in its peel and issues forth in contrast to fruits, which are already exposed even before they become detached from their place of growth. So, the camel rider trying to dodge fruit falling from a tree and stepping in puddles of flowing juice suddenly noticed an egg on the road labeled half food, half fruit, and was a suffolk whether it had been laid on Yantiv. Which reminds the Gemara, why is an egg that was a suffolk whether it was laid on Yantiv, Asr, according to Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yitzhak, 
Why should the suffix be usher since kol suffix the rabban lakula? Every suffix the rabban is lakula. After considerable analysis, the Gemara brings Ravashi and Davdalad Amadal, who explains that the egg is forbidden because it is a davrishiyashul matirin, an item that will become permitted, meaning after yantiv, but called davrishiyashul matirin afil b'dor rabban lobatil, and any item that will become permitted, even if it's now prohibited in the rabbanan, cannot become nullified in the mixture. Rashi explains that just as we're machmir in a mixture, we're also machmir in the case of a suffix. Daftalad. So the simmer Daftalad is a door. So here goes. The hen hanging out by the door. Door? That must be more Daftalad. The hen hanging out by the door with its egg, waiting to see if it was going to be eaten at the meal, which reminds us it was taught in the Brisa, Chem say in the name of Rebeleezer, Beitzate Achel Hibi Ima. An egg that was laid in Yantav may be eaten both it and its mother hen. Rabbi Zerah says that the Brisa means Te'achel Agav Ima, that the egg may be eaten on account of its mother, which Rashi explains to mean that if the hen is eaten, then the egg may be eaten. Abaya clarified that the case is when one purchased the hen before Yantav for no divine purpose. If he shacked it on Yantav, then the hen has been determined to have been designated for consumption, and the egg is permitted. If it was not shechted, then it's been determined that it was designated to produce eggs, and so the hen and the egg are muksa. So the hen hanging out by the door with its egg, waiting to see if it was going to be eaten at the meal, was startled when a tree branch fell into the oven, which reminds us, Rav Masna said, if branches fell from a palm tree directly into an oven in Yantav, one may add onto them other wood that had been prepared for kindling and may burn them. Gemara explains that since the majority of the wood is not muksa, when he moves the wood around, he's moving only permitted wood. Rush explains that the muksa is but the barov, it's nullified in the majority. When the Gemara further questions why this is permissible, given the rule that we do not deliberately nullify a prohibited item, it answers that this rule only applies to the rices, not to the abundance. And being the wood is being burned up in the fire, it's also not a problem of davrishiyashul material. So the hen hanging out by the door with its egg, waiting to see if it was going to be eaten at the meal, was startled when a tree branch fell into the oven. Where food was cooking for the family, we made sure to observe Yom Tov Sheni with a festive meal. Which reminds the that's why we observe two days of Yom Tov and Gauls. Now that we know when Rosh Chodesh is established, referring to the knowledge that was gleaned from the fixed calendar introduced by Hillel, the final Nasi, the end of the Amoraic era. The Gemara answers, it's because of the following message that was sent from Eretz Yisrael to Bavo. Be careful to perpetuate the custom of your father's that's in your hands and continue to observe two days of Yom Tov. For some day, the Gentile government may issue a decree forbidding limitatorium because you'll subsequently forget the intricacies of calculating Rosh Chodesh, you'll come to air. Rashi explains that mistakes and calculations could ultimately lead to eating chametz on Pesach. Daf hey, so the Zimmer Daf hey is hey. So here goes. The two witnesses on their way to give Edus a Chodesh were delayed when they got stuck in a procession of hayrides. Hayrides? That must be more on Daf hey. The two witnesses on the way to give Edus a Chodesh were delayed, which reminds us that on Daf Daladam Bey's Rav rule that an egg laid on the first day of Yantiv is mutter on the second day of Yantiv, since the two days are not considered Kedusha Achas, one long period of holiness. Regarding the two days of Rosh Hashanah, Rav and Shmuel ruled, Nolda Bezeh Asur Bezeh, an egg laid on the first day of Yantiv is prohibited on the second day of Yantiv. Rashi explains that these two days were certainly established as one long Yantiv as the second day of Yantiv was not originally observed on account of doubt. Rather, a continuous two-day Rosh Hashanah was decreed when witnesses arrived after after the afternoon tummy. Rabbi said that after the base of English was destroyed, when Rabbi Yochum and Zakai enacted the basin would accept witnesses for Edus HaKodesh the entire day, an egg laid on the first day of Rosh Hashanah became permitted on the second day. Rashi explains that since the second day was now only kept out of doubt, the two days of Rosh Hashanah were treated like other Yom Tovim, and the egg was permitted because one of the days was actually whole. So the two witnesses on their way to give Edus HaKodesh were delayed when they got stuck in a possession of hayrides, carrying families back from their trip to a mountain. Which reminds us, Rabbi Yosef disputed Rabbi's ruling and said even from the time of Rabbi Yochum and Zakai Stakan and onward, when they accepted witnesses the entire day of Rosh Hashanah, 
and egg laid on the first day of Hashanah remains prohibited on the second day. Because the prohibition on the egg was a law passed by an assembly of sages, and any law passed by a ballot requires another ballot to repeal it. Rashi explains that an assembly of sages must formally rescind the enactment, even though its rationale no longer exists. Rabbi Yosef brings three proofs for this principle. The first one based on the Pasuk, when Hashem told Moshe Bein at Arsina to tell B'nai Israel to return to their tents, when earlier, before the revelation, B'nai Israel were told to separate from their wives. So the two witnesses on their way to give Eidah Zakhodesh were delayed when they got stuck in a procession of hayrides carrying families back from their trip to a mountain, as well as by hordes of locals carrying their camera of eye up to Yerushalayim. Which reminds us, Rav Yosef's third source for Kol Dabashib B'minyan Sarak Minyan Achero Atiro was from a Tekana that required all camera vai, produce from the fourth year that was within a day's travel to Yerushalayim, to be brought up to Yerushalayim and not be redeemed on money. We will explain that the reason was, La'atir Shuk Yerushalayim Beperos, to adorn the markets of Yerushalayim with fruit. The price was brought that relates that when Rabbi Leezer wanted to be Mafka's produce for the poor because it was too difficult for him to take them to Yerushalayim, his Talmud told him that the decree had been rescinded. The Gemara explains that Rabbi Yosef brought this third proof to demonstrate that even though the enactment to bring the Kem Ravai produce to Yerushalayim was from the Rabbanan, and not like the first two which were derises enacted by Kodesh Baruch Hu, it still required Basedin to rescind the Takana. All right, that concludes today's shir. This is Rabbi Ram Golden Zichum. a great day and great learning.